0: Welcome to Central Line, the AHA Podcast. This is the official podcast of the American Animal Hospital Association, dedicated to simplifying the journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine for every member of the veterinary team. Here's your host, Dr. Katie Berlin. Hi, hi. <laughs> so good to meet you, Kate. It's great to you? meet you, um, Dr. Margot Varnwald. Welcome to our little makeshift central line studio here and but when I say makeshift it's actually much classier than my central line studio in my house <laughs> so uh, it's nice, kind of nice you know we have a little studio here at City and it, it's really great of you to stop by I'm very excited to meet you and chat well good I'm thrilled to be here this is
1: just a, a fun experience yeah You had asked earlier where I was from. I'm actually grew up all over, but currently live in Denver and own a practice, a small animal practice in the northeast part of Denver in a neighborhood called Park Hill.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know Denver very well yet. I just moved there. Okay. Um, but it's very exciting to be getting to, to know it, and maybe I'll get to stop in and see your hospital. Um, I actually checked to see if you could be my vet, and you're a little too far. <laughs> I live in Thornton. It's just okay. not okay. quite. Yeah. But good, <laughs> no. But <laughs> I did check. Drive <laughs> no. But I do realize, like, I really miss dogs. I miss, I'm not in practice right now. And I really miss just like rolling around the floor with other people's dogs, you know? That sounds yeah. crazy, but I. I really miss it. So I'm having a little bit of withdrawal. So I may have to come visit you. <laughs> you can come anytime. I, I get
1: that way. We don't have any cats right now. We do have dogs. But yeah, I sometimes get really excited to see some of my
0: favorite feline patients coming in because yeah. I get to snuggle. You know, people don't realize that how much as vets we and vet techs and, you know, anybody who gets to touch animals at vet clinics, I think, we, we just kind of crave that. Even if we have animals at home, we just get used to having that constant sort of physical touch with animals. And um, now that I have my own two pets and I don't really get to see anybody else's, it it makes me sad. I really do miss it. So the clients, if you're listening, we do miss your pets. (laughs) They have...
1: All of them are so individual and have such wonderful personalities, even the ones that want to kill us.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I have one of those. I have a Chihuahua who's usually snoring on this podcast. He's not invited to Nashville. Um, but he is definitely very good at being a Chihuahua. So I'm I, glad to have a, be with another veterinarian yeah, who's a small dog. <laughs> we, ha- we have a little
1: Chihuahua terrier and a little Schnoodle. Um, and neither will let me brush their teeth. So
0: the struggle is real. (laughs) Yeah. It's the nails that get me like he's, there are many drugs involved for the nails, but I thought you were going to say that you were glad that I was too far away for you to be my (laughs) vet. He's a little bit tricky. I like to try and win
1: them over even, even when they don't want me to touch them ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a cat dog, you know, they, they tend to be. So anyway, well, um, so Part of the reason that you're here is because you are about to start your tenure as AHA president. Yes. just very, very exciting. Much.
1: Congratulations. It's, it's really exciting, and I'm really honored to do it, and I'm excited to do it. I'm nervous to do it as well, um, but it really is. AHA has been part of the fabric of my veterinary career since I Transitioned. I literally walked up the street to a practice um, in the Washington D.C. area called Friendship Hospital for Animals, who's a long, long tenured AHA-accredited practice, and went in and said, "I'm interested in learning more about veterinary medicine. I'm thinking I might want to go to vet school, but I want to to be in this environment." Handed them my re- handed the the practice administrator at the time my resume, and she said, "When can you start?" And I said, "What will I be doing?" She said, "Are you okay with being a receptionist?" I'm like. Fine. Started the next day, and wow.
0: worked there for not quite it's a like year. It's like
1: everyone's dream, right? I know. now. everyone <laughs> listening is like, where
0: is where is this person going to walk into my clinic and be like, I want to start as a receptionist tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, <Like>, there's f- <laughs> probably few
1: and far between, at least right now. Yeah. But, but that was a great experience, and it, it, the the owner at the time, Dr. Peter Glassman, um, was a great mentor. Um, enough that I did. Go take all the science classes that you don't take when you're a journalism major at the University of Georgia. Go dogs, (laughs) but um, and then the other privilege that I had is that Friendship had a um, private practice internship, and so I went back as an intern, and then stayed as a staff doctor for a few years before moving back west.
0: Yeah, it's it's really funny because I'm from the D.C. area too, and I know Friendship. Uh, I never worked there, but uh, it did occur to me at some points to apply there, but I just ended up going to different different geographic areas and never ended up there. But um, I can definitely relate to walking in and being like, hi, I'd like a job because I did that as well a couple of times. And uh, I, I just, I think it's pretty neat that you have a background that wasn't originally in vet med. So you were a Communications. Yeah, I was,
1: uh, my undergraduate degree is in journalism and my master's degree is in communications. Yeah. Um, and seemingly they would have nothing to do it. But when I was a child, people would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, I want to be a writer or I want to be a veterinarian. Same <laughs> <laughs> except but, for a brief astronaut period, but yeah,
0: that got quickly discouraged. I think everybody has that. One.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I really honestly use every single skill that I learned in my former career in my current career, yeah. um, and it makes a huge difference because it helps me communicate with clients, helps me in this position because I can talk. But it also is really amazing to try and work and teach my team um, about words, the, the power that our words have, and that's you know a little bit of just why I'm excited to be you know able to serve AHA as the president mm-hmm. this coming year. Because this is such a marvelous association, it has given me so much. um, Back in the old days of, you know, when there were student AHA chapters, and um, then in, you know, the free membership when I first graduated, which we still do, um, to now being in a position where I've opened a practice, I've built it intentionally to be accredited, um, and and I like that process that they challenge us to continually improve. They're giving us the tools to continually improve. And then I still have somebody come and peek under the hood and make sure that we're going in the right direction, giving me, Hey, I was just at this practice and they're doing this and it's so awesome. It would work really well with your team and trying an experiment with that information. You know, lots of life hacks
0: there too. Yeah. That's funny. Cause, um, Dr. Adam Hetchko was just talking to me a little while ago, who is our outgoing president, and he s- used the word experiment too. Mm-hmm. He was talking about um, how he, that's how he sort of introduces change to his team. The idea of change is the idea that everybody's sort of trying things to get better together. And if they don't work out, we can examine why. And if they do, we can examine why and use that for the next experiment. Yeah, um, And I, I love that idea. Like, why does change have to be ha- so scary and so permanent? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, maybe it's partly the personalities who are attracted
1: to our industry and Mm -hmm. and i'm generalizing here not pointing anybody out specifically but we want to be perfect and we get really (laughs) i don't know who you're talking about (laughs) you're not (laughs) typing never (laughs) but we we want to be so perfect and it you know for me coming out of school as someone who had worked in a different arena and already had you know when you work in pr and you're doing campaigns because i was in small PR agencies, you take ideas and you float them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the client likes them and then you invest in it and then it fails. And then the client is looking at you asking why they, why they made that decision. How did you, you know, twist their decision into doing that? But you take away a learning process. Mm -hmm. This didn't work because X, Y, Z. And I think that's very true inside our practices. We have to take as much care of them and our teams as much as we're taking care of clients and patients, but we've got to help our teams understand it's okay to experiment. It's okay if the experiment doesn't work. That's still a success in that we got new information
0: and then we go on. Yeah, absolutely. I um, The theme for connectity this year yeah. is create a better world. And I love that theme because I feel like the energy here feels like all of the people here want to do that anyway. They don't need a conference to tell them to go out and create a better world. But we all need a little bit of help with the how sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I was just wondering, and everybody else has a vision that's different of what that better world looks like. So what does a better world in veterinary medicine look like to you?
1: I think a better world in veterinary medicine, to me, is one where people are happy to be in the profession, to be in the Hallelujah. industry um it is i love my job i love my practice good days bad days yes occasionally there's really bad days where you don't want to go in the building but 99 of the time i'm always happy to go i don't mind the challenges um you deal with the hard things and are resilient and that's what i want people to see and not feel like we're doing it and that's again some of that is our our cultures within our practice walls mm-hmm. but the other part is trying to teach um our clients, what we do and have value, the people delivering it have value. What we deliver has a huge value. And to, to appreciate that rather than be, well, I blame everything for the past couple of years on COVID. So yeah. the post COVID <laughs> crazies. Mean, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> not COVID's fault. Yeah. Um, but it's, or at least COVID made yeah. it worse. <laughs> that's one part of creating a better world is creating a better work environment. And I, I will be honest and say, I'm, when I first opened my practice, you think you know everything and then you you know get slapped in the face. You make assumptions that weren't valid. But I'm creating a better place in my community. Hopefully I'm also making a, a commitment, and that's part of being on AHA, to very much try and continue to have the association serve its members and not just the veterinarian members but the entire veterinary team so that we can all – Everybody can be proud if they work in the industry.
0: Ah, uh, that made me so happy what you just said because I really feel like um, one of the ways that I have seen Aha change just from the time when I was a member, you know, last year to a year later, almost um, working here and just hearing the conversations that are happening inside Aha and hearing what the board talked about at their meeting. Um, there's so much more emphasis on the team as a whole and not just veterinarians or managers. And I love that so much because one thing I can say, you know, you said you started a practice, you feel like you know everything, and then you quickly get taught otherwise. And it's the same thing as an associate that, you know, you go in and you're like, okay, I'm going to be this way, and I'm going to act this way, and I'm never going to lose my patience with this or treat these people this way. And, you know, I quickly got slapped in the face, too, and got called into the principal's office a few times and didn't realize that a lot of the impatience and and everything that I was feeling with the team was actually because of anxiety that I had about my job and about what was going to come walking through the door. And I just, I think I didn't receive a lot of the support that I needed in my early career in a way that I could receive it, that would allow me to then develop those relationships with the team early on. But later on, I started to realize exactly how much that amazing vet experience for a client or for the rest of the team depends on that dynamic. Just it's it's a journey mutual respect yeah
1: it's mutual respect and it's a journey i always um with my clients i always say you know particularly if i'm meeting somebody for the first time i don't know them very well i'm here to be an advocate for your pet but part of that is also to be in partnership with you Mm -hmm. to help you know what your options are and then be able to help educate you and get you to the what what's reasonable and feasible for you to do but We still get the answers that we might need to help take care of your pet. And um, I really love what we're doing. Um, And we've been working on it for a long time. Garth has an amazing brain um, and, and is really guiding um, some really great things from little tiny kernels of ideas to now things that we are rolling out or will be rolling out over the next year or the coming year mm-hmm. after that. This is
0: Garth um, Jordan, our jeans wearing CEO. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but they are all things that are part of making, e- evolving the association to better serve its members Mm -hmm. so that we are better able to go out and serve our communities through our practices, through whatever we do in the industry. Yeah, Um, And it's just, it's really, really inspiring. And I'm glad to have had um, a small role in contributing to that in our discussions and, and, and watching what we're doing. Um, There's some amazing creative people that are part of the AHA staff and, and others that we bring in in partnership Mm -hmm. that are just have, so much care about everybody in this industry, particularly with all of the things that we've looked at in terms of culture and mental health and wellness and mm-hmm. all of that, to try and balance that. We have we have to balance all that mental health and well being and, and things that create our culture, but we still have a job to do, which is to take care of people and their pets.
0: Yeah.
2: Hey, Vet Med. I'm Jessica Sewell and I'm a credential technician. We have a big problem. We're losing our people. Talented, knowledgeable, trained, passionate people. And we're not just losing them from our practices, from our hospitals, we're losing them completely. They're going to different professions, but why are they leaving? And I have my thoughts and my ideas, and I'm sure you guys do too. So let's talk about it. Let's all collaborate, talk and work together to get these issues out and on the table. I love this profession more than anything in this world. And I love the people in it. And in my opinion, there's not a more exceptional group of people on the planet. I know you guys love it too. And I know there are people we've lost that still love it and maybe they'd be willing to come back, but we need change y'all. I get it. Change does not happen fast, but the longer we resist it and the longer we continue doing things a certain way, just because this is the way we've always done it, the more people we're gonna lose. And it's not a secret that we already have a critical shortage. But what if we all work together to make change? All of us, veterinarians, veterinary technicians, veterinary assistants, CSRs, practice managers, everyone. What if we all dedicated the same effort to helping our people and helping each other as we dedicate to taking care of our patients and their humans every single day? The Veterinary Visionary Storytelling event starts on February 14th. Talk about what made you fall in love with veterinary medicine. What made you fall out of love with it? Why are you still in this profession? What's keeping you from leaving? Are you even thinking about leaving? Let's talk about it, Vet Med. You can learn more at veterinaryvisionaries.org.
0: I feel like I used to have, as an outsider or an AHA member, uh, I was, was and was not for my career had chunks of AHA membership and then chunks where I wasn't. And I felt like AHA had a job which was to tell you how to practice really good medicine, you know, standards to help you accredit your hospital and guidelines to give you latest recommendations from a task force. And that was it. And you didn't hear a lot from AHA about culture and well-being and keeping people happy so that they could do their job sustainably using this good medicine. Uh, and that conversation is so exciting to me because it takes just as much of that as it does knowing what the latest drug is to treat high blood pressure. Um, you know, you need that wellness and sustainability to practice excellent medicine just as much. And, I love how forward-thinking the board is and our leadership is right now, um, and I really—that's—that's that's what I want people to know about AHA is yeah. that people like you and Garth are really leading the way and pushing forward in that arena, as well as the clinical medicine that AHA has been known for for so long. Yeah,
1: well, it's all interconnected. You can't it deliver is. great medicine
0: if. Your team's not functioning properly. Exactly, if you're bleeding people.
1: Yeah, and, and and obviously with all of the things that are facing us as challenges in the industry, staffing is a huge one. Yeah. Well, an accredited practice that is always continually improving is going to draw great people to work there. My, you know, I love my team, the team members that I've met from many members and friends, um, my fellow board members. They're fantastic people. Yeah. So we just need to celebrate that. Um, and it just gives us, I think, all of us on this current board and even anybody who, who keep, keeps coming in and joining us, is we want everybody to love our industry. Mm-hmm. And part of that love of our industry right now is taking care of it. And in terms of that, we're caretaking AHA, which has a long history. I mean, I was looking up, just so I would know the facts, was you know these original gentlemen who did it were doing it at a time when – you know, the most focused on animals as the transportation or the, the way of work, you know, farming or other things where animals are used for transport or grains. And suddenly there were these gentlemen who were sort of saying, you know, people's attitudes about cats and dogs are changing from they just get the the slop to bringing them into their homes. We need better care for those small animals. And, and from that, they also wanted to make sure that veterinarians, it was very patriarchal at that point, um, we're focusing on how best to create a business model that would deliver that care to small animals. And it's continued to evolve. And I think the things that are coming, the new pain management guidelines, the canine vaccine guideline, canine vaccination guidelines, everything that's coming out um, or just released this year and everything that is coming in 2023 and 2024 um, is going to be amazing. And it's not just going to be a document of guidelines. Mm-hmm. There's all of this um, focus on how do we take these guidelines and standards and, um,
0: make them what we do every day. Exactly. Yeah. How do we interpret them for our practices yeah. and our people and our clients? Because everybody's a little bit different and one set of standards and, and recommendations isn't going to fit all in every formula. Um, and I, I totally love that too about the content we're making now and, uh, I love that you love it because (laughs) without the board support, you know, like you guys are the ones boots on the ground, you know, and and really seeing it out there at work too.
1: Well, when I put, you know, I'm a practicing doctor. I'm a practice owner. I need to train my staff. I need to, things like that. But I don't necessarily, uh, it's a personal interest. So I do create some stuff from the ground up, but it's nice to have a reference and a resource where Mm -hmm. I can say, hey, I can use this. I can literally... You know, take a toolkit, open it, and there's you know, meeting. There's a team meeting about it. There's message points for it. Mm-hmm. There's got there's there's tailored things that are tailored towards um, the the front desk. There's things that are tailored to yeah. um, our what we call our outpatient team, and there's things that are obviously very tailored to the inpatient team, and they all meld together. And also, usually within that too is the business part of it, too, is how do we use this to make our practice profitable? Because that means we can do all the things yeah. that we want to do for our teams.
0: Yep. Yeah. Making money is not a bad thing. <laughs> no. No, we have to. And that's yeah. where, we, where the
1: value is. And then there are other things that are just...
0: Um,
1: I hope everybody really will enjoy the benchmarking application that's coming out. Every, mm-hmm. every member will have access to that. And then you can add tiers to it. But just to be able to look at what you're doing in your practice compared to other practices is not meant to make you feel bad it's meant to maybe make you strive that hey we can do better here
0: yeah yep and that group sort of collective mindset of like this is where the profession is going and i want to go there too versus i'm doing better than they are at this thing um I, i that's come up a few times actually in these conversations that we're having here at connexity and i love that too that idea of a collective moving forward if we're if we're doing better over here, how can we encourage the profession to do better overall? And I see AHA playing a huge role in that too. Not everybody's going to be accredited. That's just the way it is. But the more hospitals are AHA accredited or have access to the AHA standards and can say, we are interested in getting better and staying better and growing as a hospital, that brings the whole profession up. Yeah. And it just, you need tools to do that. Yes. We're doing that. And we just,
1: I don't know, there's so much that there's certain things I can't say, but there, there's really good stuff happening, <laughs> yeah. and all of it is all of it is member focused, and I think that's um, having worked in a different profession in DC with other associations, that focus on our membership is is so important, and I don't think AHA ever lost sight of it, but I think there's a renewed energy about mm-hmm. it, and every group has to refresh and and do stuff and we're really doing some neat neat stuff.
0: Absolutely. Dr. Margot Varnwo, thank you so much for stopping by. Um, very excited to see the gavel get past you <laughs> and uh, congratulations on your just about to start presidency. Thank you very excited to see what kinds of things happen in the next year um, with you at the helm. Well, I look forward to future future conversations
1: with you, me too about the industry that we love. me too. Thank you. thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of Central Line, the AHA podcast. If you love what you hear, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. For more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine, we invite you to visit aha.org. That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.